0: Thank you for listening to an audio resource from Stanwich Church, located in Greenwich and Stamford, Connecticut. The vision of Stanwich Church is to know Christ and make him known.
1: The New Testament lesson for today is from Acts chapter 3 verses 1 through 10. Peter and John encounter a lame man outside the temple begging for money. After getting the man's attention, Peter heals him in Jesus' name, then extends a hand and lifts him to his feet. A reading from Acts chapter 3, beginning with the first verse. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. May God add His blessing to the reading of his holy word. Be to
0: God. One evening, several years ago, Nancy and I went into the city to go see our favorite band in concert. Anyone know who my favorite band is? You too. Yes. We are so excited, and we got on the Metro North train. We were heading into the city. Not only were we really pumped for the concert, but we were glad to be meeting up with another couple from church, a couple whose company we just really love, We really look up to these people. Couldn't wait to go to the concert with them. We met them uh, on the sidewalk outside of Madison Square Garden, and uh, there we all were in our you know, clothes, go to the concert, and all these other people were coming into the, into the arena, including us. We were walking closer and closer to the, you know, the gates, the security gates that all these concerts have now. And uh, you could hear the guy scanning the tickets. Beep, 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 beep. And so I handed him our four tickets. And the scanning machine, when he scanned our first ticket, made a different noise than it had made on all the other ones. It was more like beep. <laughs> that's weird. Let's try to scan the second one. So we scanned the second one, same noise. Third one, fourth one. Same noise. He handed it back to me, and he said, "These are fake tickets." It's true. I had bought these tickets on Craigslist from some guy who was happy to meet me out in front of the Starbucks around the corner from Madison Square Garden. Took my six hundred dollars in cash, handed me fake tickets, and he walked away happy. So there we were, unable to get in to the concert. That was a really long train ride back to Greenwich hanging out with this other couple, and it was so painful. I I told Nancy this week I was going to share this story, and she was like, too soon. I can't think about it. This was seven years ago. (laughs) It was so painful going back home on that train, not just because I was mortified and embarrassed about my mistake, but also because, you know, as we were traveling home on that train, I was thinking about the fact that the concert was starting. The band was playing. All those people inside that arena, we were not inside. We were outside. We were excluded. There was a barrier because of my mistake between us and something wonderful, something that we were looking forward to for weeks. There we were on the train ride home, outside the gates, as it were. I was thinking about that story recently because, you know, in our, in our culture today, there's this theme that we're hearing over and over and over again from from the world. And the theme, I'm sure you've heard of it, if you've got kids in any kind of school, the theme is inclusion, 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 inclusion. Sort of like the new religion. Everyone's thinking about inclusion. And there I was on that train, excluded. (laughs) I wasn't in the place where I thought I should be, and I've just been thinking about that, particularly this week, because we're going to see in this scripture... In answer to a question that might be on some of our minds, who is included in the family of God? Who's included in the family of God? We're going to see a story of somebody outside the gate, somebody who was excluded, who gets invited in, and what is it that gets us included in this family? Anybody else curious to see how that goes? Are you hearing this word inclusion everywhere you go? Yeah. Well, let's go to the Bible for that better narrative, that better story, get the answers. Acts chapter 3, we're going through the book of Acts, looking at the early church and how it grew. Acts chapter 3, beginning with the first verse. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. You know, we read this and, and we forget sometimes that the, the apostles, the disciples of Jesus, when they came to believe that Jesus was the Messiah, they still carried with them, those who were Jewish, they still carried with them the customs of that they had practiced their whole lives. Sometimes we think as soon as Jesus came, everybody stopped going to the temple. But they didn't. They kept going. Why are they in the temple? What's the ninth hour. It's the time to pray. So there they are, entering the temple, as it were, going through the series of barriers that would get them access to this prayer time. Verse 2, And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, that is called the beautiful gate, To ask alms of those entering the temple. Why was this man lame from birth, carried by his friends to this gate called the Beautiful Gate? Well, because he knew and his friends knew that that's all the further he was allowed to go into the temple. There's a series of courts, there's an outer court for the Gentiles, there's an inner court where the men and women were separated, there's a series of barriers that would go all the way into the inner sanctum of the temple, the Holy of Holies where for all intents and purposes, they believed that the very presence of God existed. And only one person was ultimately included to go there. And it was a priest one time a year, right into the presence of God. But there was a series of barriers that some people couldn't get past. And they believed that if you were lame from birth, you couldn't pass the beautiful gate. Now, interestingly, the the, the Torah, the law, never actually says that. The Pharisees added this to the law. They said, if you're lame from birth, you must deserve it somehow. You must have sinned. We know that there's a scene in the Gospels where the disciples, they see a blind man who's blind from birth, and they have a question on their minds. They say, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? So they believed if you had some kind of deformity, it must be someone's fault. And this is what the Pharisees believed. The Torah does say that people lame from birth couldn't be priests. But the Pharisees had added, just to be sure, let's make sure we keep it safe. You know, Let's keep the barrier out. Let's keep people excluded who are lame from birth. And this guy knew that. He knew that he couldn't get past the beautiful gate because of this rule. So there he was. Can you picture him every day sitting there asking for alms, watching? as all these able-bodied people were able to walk right past this barrier, walk right past this gate, going in. He wasn't allowed to go in. I wonder if he felt every day like I felt on that train ride home back to Greenwich. There's something wonderful in there. There's something beautiful happening, but I'm not allowed to go in because of something I've done. This maybe was his experience day after day. After a day three times in these early verses, it says, "Enter in, walked in, entered into the temple." I think the author, who is Luke, who's writing Acts, wants us to see all these people entering in, but there's the lame man at the barrier, excluded. What's he doing there? Verse three, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple. There's that phrase again. He asked to receive alms. This man, lame from birth, realized that probably the best he could get out of this whole system was just something to get him through the day, alms, maybe a coin, maybe a gesture of kindness, maybe a loaf of bread. He knew he couldn't really be included. He couldn't get access to God or to God's people. So he said, what many of us ask for When we can't imagine what God's really offering. We ask what I call gimme prayers. Father, gimme. Father, gimme. Father, Father, gimme. This man's asking. It's understandable. He's asking for all he thinks he has access to. A little bit of silver, a little coin, a little food, a little kindness. We can't imagine sometimes what's actually being offered. Father, gimme. Father, gimme money. Father, gimme success. Father, gimme pleasure. Father, gimme these tangible things that I that I think I need today. C.S. Lewis, I think, was thinking about something similar when he wrote The Weight of Glory, a series of sermons in 1949. I first heard this quote, maybe you know it. I first heard this quote when I was a teenager, and it really struck me. It really kind of changed my life. This is what C.S. Lewis said. Indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of rewards promised in the Gospels. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We're half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We're far too easily pleased. These Father, give me prayers are understandable, but they lack an awareness of what's really being offered by God. What is being offered to us and to this man at the gate? Verse 4 Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. Look at us. What's being offered to this man? The first glimpse we get of what's being offered is relationship. This man, I'm I'm imagining he's sitting there day after day after day with his head down, his head bowed, with his palms up, just hoping for some alms with Peter and John. They do something different. They say, hey, look at us first. Look me in the eyes. And something changes in the equation. Something changes in the relationship When we look someone in the eyes, doesn't it? Hi, Rob. Good morning. Didn't know I was going to do this, did you? The lame man at the gate had no idea Peter and John were going to say, look at us. It's different, isn't it, now that we're here, connected in this way? Are you really uncomfortable right now? uh, It's different than when I was up there. There was like a safe distance between us, but here we are. Yeah. Nice to see it. I'll let you off the hook now. Thanks for doing that with me. When we look, at, yeah, who's next? When we look each other in the eyes. It's different, isn't it? We're connecting. Peter and John said, "Look at us." And I think maybe for the first time in this man's life, he was viewed in his humanity. He was viewed as a fellow human being. Look at us, they said, and they made eye contact with him. How does he respond in verse 5? He fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. Owner C.S. Lewis is right in this point. He cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. Yes, this connection is nice. This fellow human connection, this restoration of relationship that God is offering us, that's great. But can you give me, Father, give me, you know, this is probably what he was thinking. If he had a song in his heart, it was, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. See what I did there? (laughs) It was a beautiful day. I'll just sing you two all day. Because sometimes we can't imagine, even when God, see what God's beginning to do in this man's life is heal him on every level. Because of our sin, we're like a lame person. We don't function the way we're supposed to. We're cut off from each other and from God. We're designed to live with wholehearted love for God and love for our neighbor. That's connection with God, connection with each other. And this man is beginning to get what God is offering, restoration of relationship, at least with his fellow man. But he can't even imagine what more is coming. What more is coming, verse 6, But Peter said, I have no silver or gold. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. The name. The name of Jesus Christ, something that's more valuable and precious than silver or gold, something that will get you through more than just today. The name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Why the name? We don't think of names exactly like they thought of names back in this time. Names in this time, in Bible times, really signified authority. Do you remember way back in Genesis when, when God told Adam to name the animals? What was that about? God was granting Adam authority over the animals and stewardship of the animals. The creation was designed before the fall, it comes later in Genesis, but the creation was designed for us to steward, to have authority over. We have, our name is above the names of the animals. That's what we're learning there in Genesis. And this man is given the name of Jesus, this better power that we keep discovering in the book of Acts. The more I read through the book of Acts, I've read through it, I don't know how many times in my life, but the more I read through it, the more I realize What happens in the first chapter sets up the whole rest of the book. You remember the first chapter, don't you? Acts chapter 1, verse 6 It's when the disciples, they say to Jesus, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And they're asking for that worldly power grab one more time before he leaves. And how does he respond? You will receive power when my Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He's talking about a better power, the authority that comes In the name above all names, the name of Jesus. That's what we have access to. And that's what Peter and John have to give to this lame beggar that he couldn't possibly have imagined when he woke up that morning, that he was going to be granted. And what does the name grant us? What does the name of Jesus gain for us? Verse 7. He took him. By the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. You see this healing right here? I've thought for years, every time I've read this my whole life, I thought that was the punchline of the story that the name of Jesus brings healing. And it does. But I think the punchline is in the next verse. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them you see this is a story about who's included in the family of god he entered the temple with them walking and leaping and praising god i always thought he was walking and leaping and praising god because he was healed because he could i think that's true but maybe he's walking and leaping and praising god because now he finally for the first time in his life has access to god's people and to god himself what a difference his whole life he was excluded. And now, because of the name of Jesus Christ, he's included in the family of God. So, to go back to our original question who is included in the family of God? The people who receive the name of Jesus, the people who come under the authority of the name of Jesus. It's not just that we receive him, it's that we come under his authority. That's what name signifies in the Bible. We come under his authority. Nancy and I were praying with a friend the other day, and we were talking about you know, what it means to, to have Jesus as both our Savior and our Lord. We talk often about he's our Savior. What does it mean that he's the Lord of your life? And this person we were praying with had this beautiful thing. He said, having Jesus as our Lord means we, have, we live our lives with open palms And with three W's, we say, Lord, whatever, whenever, wherever. Lord, lead me, command me. You are the Lord of my life. That's what it means to come under the name, to come under the authority of Jesus Christ. When we do so, we are brought in. Not just to some club, not just to some school, not just to some institution, but into a restoration of who we were designed to be. People connected with each other and connected with with God. Inclusion is for the people who receive Jesus. Now, you may be thinking like, Nathan, are you just imposing this inclusion thing onto this story? Isn't this just a story about healing? Maybe I'm thinking too much about what the world is saying in uh, I'm not so sure. We, we, we interpret Scripture with Scripture, right? And look what it says in, in Hebrews 13, verse 12. Look, look, look what it says Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross, what he did to bring us in. Hebrews 13, verse 12, so Jesus also suffered outside the gate. In order to sanctify the people through his blood. Why does it tell us this? Crucifixion in Jesus' time was so horrible, it was so cursed, that they wouldn't even allow it to happen inside the city gates. It was for people so vile, so sinful, they must be cursed by God. You can't possibly have that type of activity inside the city gates. There was a mild version of that with this lame man sitting at the gate, not allowed access, and clearly there's sin on his life. He can't come in. Crucifixion was the most extreme version of that. Yet Jesus was not lame from birth. He had no sin in him at all. He was born perfect. The only human who's ever lived who wasn't born with sin. He had no business being put outside the city gate for any reason. In fact, if he belonged anywhere in Jerusalem, it was in the Holy of Holies in the temple because he's a person within the Trinity. Yet... For our sake, it says, he was brought outside the city gate to receive the curse, to receive the punishment that we deserve. Why? According to Hebrews, to sanctify us through his blood. He was bringing us in by dying in our place. Another part in Hebrews, Hebrews 10, uh, this is amazing thing. I'm not going to show it on the wall. I'm just going to describe it. In Hebrews 10, it talks about how you know that the temple, the curtain in the temple was torn in two when Jesus died. That curtain was was at the Holy of Holies. And we so often think about that curtain being torn in two so that the, the Spirit of God could be unleashed from the Holy of Holies and go out into all the world. But in Hebrews 10, it says, that curtain was torn in two to give us a pathway in. And then it says, the real punchline of Hebrews 10, it says, The curtain was his flesh. He was torn into. He was killed. His blood was spilled so that we can access. He's the gate. He's the door. He's the path to give us access to the Father. That's why he died. I believe the world is watching Christians right now, wondering what we think about this thing that's on their minds, inclusion. And the reason I keep bringing that up is because I think that's what the story is about, as I've just tried to describe. But also because I think it becomes rather compelling to this world that's searching. And that's exactly what happened on the day this man was healed in the name of Jesus. Verse 9, all the people saw him walking and praising God recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. They were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is our witness. It's it's one way we can communicate with this world that's longing for inclusion. The beautiful thing, guys, is that we have the answer to their longing. We have the answer. The answer is the name of Jesus. Back at the, the night of that U2 concert. Sorry, Nance, i got to bring it up one more time. The, uh, the couple that we met up with, they were so gracious. They were so kind. The husband even figured out a creative way to make me whole. <laughs> Financially, which was so, such a blessing. It was such a grace gift from them. Just their kindness, the whole train ride home. And that, that kindness, well, it, it didn't get us into the concert. But the kindness that's been shown to us in Jesus Christ who went outside the city gate to receive the curse, to receive the punishment that we deserve, that kindness, that grace that he's shown us, it not only pays our debt, not only makes us whole, but it gets us access, it gets us included into something even better than a U2 concert. It gets us access into glory, into heaven, where one day people from every nation, tribe, and tongue will be included. will be surrounding the throne under the name of Jesus, praising holy, 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 and worthy is the name. Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is Jesus. And we will live together in that place for all of eternity. We get to be included in that. That's a beautiful day. And in that day, listen to this, this is the best part. Rob, this one's for you since I put you through that a minute ago. (laughs) You know what it says about heaven? There, we will behold him face to face. Him. And it starts with the name of Jesus. The name above all names. We have the better narrative. So let's go out and make him known. Amen. To learn more about the mission and vision of Stanwich Church and how you can get involved, please visit stanwichchurch.org.